0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. And we're we're are five, six weeks in now uh, into this series. We did an intro and we're it's really all about the, the big question Jesus asked, what's the most important commandment or as we said, what's the most important thing in life? And Jesus answered, wonderful answer, love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And we, we've taken that and said, if that's you know that's what Jesus' response was to that question, it's worth taking a, a really significant look into. And we, in order to make it practical, we've broken that down and we said, really, I think there's three things that we ought to do every day to kind of move into that situation. And I encourage you every day to be thankful. For at least five things, and I think that by being thankful, um, we're, we're reminded of God's movement in our lives, God's goodness, and, and, and the responses that we love Him. And, and with all that we are, because He's God and He's good. And then we, we also encourage you to encourage at least two other people every day. And we do that all the time. We think that's how we love others well. It gets us outside of ourselves. And that then we love ourselves. We love our neighbors as ourselves. We love ourselves by doing the next right thing. And that if we can go through life doing the next right thing, that's the kindest thing we can do to ourselves. All of the struggles that I'm dealing with in life virtually are, are I shouldn't say all of them, a lot of them have to do with me at different points not doing the next right thing. And uh, and then having to deal with the fallout of not doing the next right thing. And so these are these are things that we need to work on and, uh, and work on continually. And we get little bumps in the road. It's kind of funny. Um, some of you were here. I'm going to go off track early for a bunny trail. Let me look at my time. Because uh, I just got the letter, this letter on the way in. Uh, like a year and a half ago, we needed more parking, and uh, which we always need is more parking. It's a constant thing, which is a really, really good problem. Don't get me wrong. And tonight, you, you may not see it, but if you're here to, on, on, the, on Sunday, you, you can tell we have this massive parking problem. So we, we, uh, we whacked out some trees in the back of the church, and um, we did that without a permit um, just sort of, hey, just let's take them down, and then somebody complained, and then the county got involved, and, and I started getting these certified letters, and we were in big trouble, and, and so we had to go and fix that, and I, I told you the whole story, I was really mad at those letters when they came, and so I didn't respond, for I had four weeks to respond, I waited two weeks before I could talk, uh, just call, and then say we're sorry, because that's not what I wanted to say, and, uh, and so I got myself to where I I'm really sorry, and we, we mellowed out, um, we shouldn't have done it, and then we fixed it, which was a pretty big deal, um, but I got a letter today, there's a, hearing now, because now every year I have to go to this hearing for I don't know how many years and say, hey, we fixed it and it's still back there. And I get that letter and I think, OK, <laughs> All right. nothing else going on. OK, great. So wait, I have to go. But see, none of this would have happened if I hadn't done it in the first place. You know what I mean? If I had just done the next anyway. So that's my life and you get it. I know that you get it. All right. So. I've said to you over time that, that the issue that we have is that even those three things seem pretty simple, life gets in the way, our sin gets in the way, issues get in the way, and we, we can't always do those things. So we're talking about taking it even deeper. And that with, this, um, with our hearts, our disciples' hearts, that we need to prime the pump. Um, we, we've used sort of is, these analogies, and we've, we're developing a, a, an actual primer, something that will help you, some tangible tools that we're going to put in your hands over the weeks. But we're digging into some scriptures... And some ideas that I, I'm encouraging you to start your day with. And there's sort of seven sections to this this concept um, that get us really sort of focused, that prime the pump for the day to help us do the things that we need to do to live this life out. And, and so, um, you know, those sections we're talking about are getting focused and getting thankful and getting connected, getting dressed. That's about the armor of God. Getting encouraging. Um, get her done is one I added because I like. And then Get her done with a question mark, which is an end-of-the-day review. So we're digging into these things. Each of these sections has scriptures that we're going to look at. And, and right now we're talking about the importance of getting focused. And we're using Hebrews ten nineteen through 25 in order to do that. And that, that, that these verses are ones that we can meditate on every day as we get started, and they help us. And they're all about um, going into the most holy place, that we have access into the throne room of God in Christ. And that, uh, that we're talking about how, how amazing it is that, that we have this access. We've looked at Old Testament passage about what they had to go through to get a guy in there once a year. What they had to go through to get the Levites even into the tabernacle just to, so they could take care of business well, it was it was so restrictive. And now in Christ, we have access into the most holy place, the literal presence of God 24-7. And we do that not because we're so wonderful or perfect, we know that we're not, but because we're in Christ and that God sees us in Christ. This is what we've been talking about in those verses. We've talked about Jesus as our great priest and that He understands us and He loves us. And last week, we looked at a couple of parables and we, we turned them around just a little bit and we saw that God sees us as His treasure and as His pearl and what that means. And that what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're seeing Him in the proper perspective that we talked a little bit about our picture of him last week, and we're going to dig a little deeper today into the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Scripture reading for today, before we get into the next verse in Hebrews is John 10, 10 and 11. This is out of the message paraphrase. And it says this, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself and sacrifices himself if necessary. Blessed be the word of the Lord. He is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is always good. Jesus is only good. And I want to talk about that today. Now, Hebrews 10.23, that's the verse we're looking at in in our section, is is, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Faithful. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, Through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. That's what we've been looking at so far as we talk about getting a throne room perspective and spending time with God. So today, first point there in your notes And what I want to start by talking about is that God is faithful. It says, for he who promised is faithful. And you need to know that God is faithful. We saw he's the good shepherd in our scripture reading. God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. God is always faithful. It is who he is. It's His nature to be faithful. Even if we are faithless, it says He is faithful. God is good. Always good. Only good. And He wants you to have a full life. John 10.10, I want to read this verse to you again in the NIV. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. And the question that we need to ask ourselves as as we're getting our picture right with God is, do you believe that verse? Do you think that God wants you to experience a full life, a real life? And that's now. Not just forever, that's now. Real, full, abundant life, now and forever. Or do you think, because I, I run into people all the time, that because you're following Christ, that your life is now one big sacrifice with no fun. Do you remember, some of you will remember this song. Uh, that it was a Billy Joel song, I think, Only the Good Die Young. And and uh, uh, he says in there, and I remember singing this way before I knew the Lord, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Do you remember the song? Now, the problem I have is that too many people believe that, that following Christ is some sort of boring life with no fun to be had and um And the thought process I think goes something like this: Well, I guess you know since Jesus went to the cross and and then and all that he did there, then my life now is I just have to work for him and sacrifice and not have any fun anymore it 's just kind of this boring sacrifice life, and that 's what waits for me as a christian and I, I I'm afraid that um the the church has kind of made that what it looks like, and that uh people in the church, once they get in, think, well, okay, you know, I'm just waiting for when he comes back, and, and that's going to be great, don't get me wrong, but, but, you know, there's really, all the fun is had by the sinners, and I'm giving that up, I'm turning that away because I'm going to follow Jesus now, and I'm going to be, and, and see, the problem I have is this, does that sound like a full life to you? I'm, I'm not saying that sin is where the fun is, I'm just saying that just because you're trying not to do that, and you're doing the extra right thing, doesn't mean that your life isn't full. And we have this bad concept that's that's messing us up. And it, it takes too many people who are believers and makes them miserable. And that's the side that they show to the world who, who you know, miserable. They're just they're just following rules and miserable because they don't think that their life is fun. They've got this twist that somehow all the fun was that, that they could have was really out there and that there's not a whole lot of fun to be had here. And, and that doesn't sound like a full life to me. That doesn't sound like the best deal in the universe. And that's what I always tell people we've gotten Christ. The best deal in the universe. I believe he wants us to have full life now. I, I think that's what it means. Life, real life now. Wednesday we were talking and I, I said something. I, I said, I made this analogy about, because what's coming is better. There's no doubt about that. Don't get me wrong. This is broken. This is this is a broken mess, this world. And because of that, we have to deal with a lot of situations. Um, Uh, And and so what's better is coming. I made this analogy about being younger and playing football and that I hated football practice. But I did it all because I loved to play in the games. And it was all worthwhile. Every Friday night that we got into a football game in high school, it made all those horrible practices worthwhile. Every bit of it. But I hated the practices. And I said that. And I said, sometimes they think about that. Life is hard, but what's coming is so good that it's going to be worth it. But but even if life is hard now, God is gold. Life is full. There's no better life than following Christ. There's nothing out there better. There's not. And if you, if you think you're giving up something better for this, you're not going to do this very well. If you think what you're walking away from is so wonderful to follow Christ because you, you like the, the, you know, the retirement package, because um, the benefits are out of this world, you've heard that, right? If you think that means that what you're giving up is that you, life stinks now, you've got the bad picture. You, it doesn't work. Because God is good. Always good. Only good. He's faithful. Even when we're a mess, he's faithful. But you've got to begin to get this picture of God. I can remember as a new believer, encountering people. And one, one popped into my mind where this guy, I've had this goatee for a long time, even back then, who was giving me fits about having a goatee because I shouldn't as a believer. And then I was actually, at the time, I was about to go into a movie. And he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to see a movie. And he was like, oh, man, we, we don't go and see movies. I'm like, what? Because yeah, you know, mature Christians don't go and see movies. And I thought to myself, well, I went and saw it anyway. But I would have this thought when I would encounter that thing in people, as a new Christian, I would think to myself, you know, if that's true, if that's really what this life is out, I think I'm going to go back to the drugs. Because even though they were killing me, they were kinder. They were really kinder at some level to me than this whole thing. And I don't think these people were... I think they were trying to be sincere in their belief, but they they'd taken life out of life, and they were mis- they weren't happy people. They were miserable, and this this Jesus thing that we talk about is it's called good news. It's got to be good news now. It just can't be good news for the future. It's got to be good news now. Or why are people interested? It's the it's the best thing there is. If I still believe that, if there's something better out there, you know, I'm gonna what. This is it, but it has to be good news and we have to live it that way. And so, so we have to get this concept in, um, because if God's not good, we're not going to want to run and connect with Him every day. But but when you know that He's good, always good, only good, and you've got a chance to go and hang out with Him, you're like, yeah, okay, there's nothing better, there's nothing, the sleep doesn't, there's nothing better than going to hang out with God. And then seeing what the full life that He has for me looks like. Hear me, I'm saying full life and real life. I'm not saying that, that this is, oh, you know, uh, all everything that I want to do all the time. I'm just saying that when you follow God's plan for you, that's where you find life. Real life, full life. It's not out there. And, and so we want to talk about that a little bit. And I want to talk about a few things about misconceptions we have about God. First, and the second point then is this, that, that he didn't come, Jesus didn't come to be your boss. He's Lord, He's Savior, I get all that, but He didn't come to be your boss. And the reason I want to say that is I think a lot of people, when I talk to them, that's that's their picture of God, that He's the boss. He is their boss. The problem with that thinking is most of you don't like your bosses. You've had bad bosses, horrible bosses. You couldn't wait for your boss to leave. You have spent a lot of time, um, most of us, figuring out the least amount of stuff we could do to keep the bosses off of our back. And, and how we could get out of those situations. And so we have these terrible boss pictures. And, and, and the Christian life is not about trying to fill the job description of a stern boss. And that's how many too many people are taking it that way. Listen to these verses, check them out. Mark 10:45. they're in your notes. "For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." What? Does that sound like your boss? He didn't come to be served; he came to serve." How about this one? Isaiah 64:4: "From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait. For him. The NIV, it says, who acts on behalf of those who trust in him. Um, I need you to let that sink in a little bit. Because I think what most people do is, they come to Christ and they, okay, now I've got to work for him. It's all about me sacrificing for him. No, he's done some stuff, so so now that's what my life looks like. It's duty, and it's, it's, it's this is life. But But that verse, Isaiah said, God works for those who wait for him. He acts on behalf. He's not your employee by a long shot. But he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Different than any God they'd ever seen throughout history. All these little G-gods that they had to try and pacify with horrible sacrifices. And they were just trying to keep them from you know, smiting them. They spent their whole lives trying to not be smote by their fake gods. And giving up everything they could. And here comes the real God. And they finally get out that God acts on our behalf. He's not out to smite us. He he wants to bless us. He wants to help us. But we go, well, that's not right. I've got to work for Him. He needs me. It's my duty. It's my obligation. Listen to this in Acts 17, 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. What? He came to serve. He acts on my behalf. He gives me life and breath and everything else. What? He's not your boss. So we need a better analogy. So here's one, point number three. He is your daddy. He's your daddy. He's your papa. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Abba father see at some level you got to get to this book is a love letter to you and it's his love letter to you it's your daddy's love letter to you and it's filled with wisdom on how to have real full life it's not a book about all the things that you can't do because he doesn't want you to have any fun it's a book about how you can enjoy full life now and it's it's written from from his point of view of wisdom of what that looks like. He's way smarter than the culture. And, and he says, look, here's, here's, here, I love you. Here's, here's what you need to do to have full life. And and this analogy is good if you had some sort of good father experience in your life. But, but our culture is so broken now, this falls apart pretty quick. But if you were fortunate enough to have a father who cared about you enough that he actually moved into your life and, and gave you some direction and decision in love... Um, hopefully by now you're at a place where you can look back and you can see all he really wanted to do was love you and keep you safe. He wasn't trying to keep you from having fun. He wasn't trying to ruin your life. He wasn't, you know, the big meanie. Everybody else gets to do it when when he was in there speaking to you and telling you this is how you need to live. These are the things that that are best for you. Isn't it neat? Hopefully when you get older you can go back and look and say, well, that 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 was really good advice. I didn't take it, but that was really good advice. I would have been better off to have taken it. So so maybe some of you had had some sort of good papa influence and this analogy works for you. Um, but none of us have perfect parents and so so it's all a big mess and it, it gets even broken and for some people it's it's even hard to think of a good dad sort of thing. So I have I thought of another analogy. This one didn't make your notes cuz I thought of it as I was thinking. So if the good dad thing doesn't work for you and this is a love letter doesn't help you to get what he's saying in here is, is not to keep you from having fun. It's to keep you have real life. Here's another analogy. Um, Jesus is also known as the great physician. He's a good doctor, too. He's a good doctor. And the best doctor there's ever been. He actually asked a question in John 5, one of my favorite questions. Do you really want to get well? If you haven't read that, go read it for me. Do you really? Because that's, that's one of those big questions you've got to ask. Because it's a great question to think, do you really want to get well? See, do you want to have the life that you could have? That's what he asked the guy. Well, see, if you can look at Jesus as the good doctor, then what this becomes is a prescription for life, his prescription for life. But here's the deal. Maybe some of you have been to doctors and and if you have a good doctor, he's a great doctor. But if you have a good doctor, your good doctor will sometimes tell you some things that you need to do in order to experience full life. But it's contrary to what you really want to do, because they might try and mess with some of the stuff that you're doing. They might tell you you probably don't need to eat quite so much or quite the foods you enjoy. And, and they might tell you, you might need to exercise a little bit more. And you might need to go do some other of these things. And, and there might be some medicine that you need to take. And there's some other stuff that's going on. And, and a lot of times we don't want to do that. We want to have a good full life, but we don't want to stop doing the other stuff that we're doing. But the doctor's prescription, if followed, allows you to enjoy a better life. Does any of this make sense? See, see, that's what life begins to look like. We're not, we're not missing out on stuff that, that's out there. We're getting a prescription for how to live life. We're getting wisdom from a daddy who wants us to live well how it looks. But it's not this one big no-fun sacrifice. There's a story of a guy um, named Hudson Taylor. I don't know how you heard him. He was a missionary to China. And uh, he was a British. He was a doctor. And he felt called to go to China uh, and he, he all of the sort of mission agencies at the time kind of shunned him and what he wanted to do. So he ended up going by himself and he spent his life in China ministering over there. He endured amazing hardship. In this process, not only was he rejected by his countrymen, um, he was rejected for a long time. there. persecuted. Um, uh, all sorts of things happened while he was there. He, his wife died from disease. Three of his children died from disease. And yet, in his constant movement and missionary work in China, um, it, it pretty well is reported that be, because of Hudson Taylor and some of his followers, that nearly 30 million people came to Christ. 30 million people came to Christ. And on his deathbed, um, he was asked this question, um, how he regarded, as he was going on to be home, all the sacrifices he had made for the Lord. And his reply was his quizzical look, and he said, I never made any sacrifices. Didn't even make sense. Obviously, he did. But what he looked at, his life was, he was following the prescription laid out for him by the good doctor. That's the life he was called to live. That's where life was. It wasn't being a doctor back in England. It was, that was what he did. See, we've got to know that the stuff that we're doing, whatever that looks like for the Lord, um, you know, whatever that is, we do it because he loves us and we love him. And because in doing them, in following, in being disciples, we experience real full life now. We're not missing out on anything. We're gaining everything. And you need to make that transition in your mind. You need to get this straightened out because he's good. He's always good. He's only good. That's his nature. And so we ask ourselves then in this fourth thing, because at the end of Hebrews ten twenty three, with that in mind, it says we're to hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. And so my fourth point is this. What are you holding on to? What do you hold on to? Are you holding on to the hope we profess? or Are you holding on to something else? Do you hold on to weird worries? Do you hold on to fear? Do you hold on to anxiety? Is that what you feel yourself grabbing a hold of? Whenever it comes up, it's immediate, and you just, you just get a hold of it, and that's what you're hanging on to. Or, or do you hold just on to my way? I'm going to do it my way. It's my way. That's it. I want what I want. That's all there is. I just don't care. See, because maybe without realizing it, whatever you hang on to is kind of what you're putting your hope in, and, and it's no good unless your hope is in Christ. You won't find life there. See, Jesus, in, in Colossians one twenty two it says, To whom God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of His mercy, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're back to that idea, Christ in you, being in Christ. See, it's it's only as we get a hold of this that everything in life that's worthwhile is found in relationship with Him. Everything, now and forever. It's the absolute best deal in the universe. It is tremendously good news. You're not required to sacrifice anything because the things that you're walking away from are no good for you. The sin that beckons us... see Here's the the worst trap in what the enemy does. You watch people who've gotten stuck in sin and and see, the, the thing is, even the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but watch people who get stuck in it, how beat up they look after a period of time. It just takes them down. Bad. Because there's no life in it. And we get we keep thinking that's where life... Life's not there. Life is found in hanging out with Jesus. And then in living out the things that he tells us to do. The best we can. We mess up all the time. And he loves us. He's for us. Grace, mercy, all that neat stuff. But it's this decision every day. Okay, God, I want to do it your way. I want to do better today than yesterday. Not, And it's not a... It's, it's where life is, because it's the best deal now, anywhere. Real, full life. And he wants you to have real, full life. He wants you to enjoy life now and forever. He puts a lot of neat things in our lives. Because he's good. Always good. Only good. That's what he's like. That's who he is. And, and that's, I, I, my hope is, my prayer is that that's how you see him. That, that as we encourage you to go into his presence, that we shake loose all of those things. He's a big meanie. He's out to get me. He's just waiting for me to mess up so he can pounce on me. He doesn't care about me. Life's no fun. It's a big boring thing. But I guess, you know, I get the eternity thing. So now it's all big sacrifice for me. I can't have any life at all. And, and I'm just going to be miserable. And if I see anybody having fun, I'm going to try and stop them because I'm not allowed to have fun because I'm a Christian. And I'm going to shut that down and tell them, no, you can't do anything fun anymore. Why don't you come and follow Jesus with me? <laughs> it's not much of an invitation, is it? Come and be bored. Let's see how many people we can go out and get into the kingdom. Come and have a terrible life now. That's what we got for you. Better, better in the future, but now just miserable, terrible. It's not the deal. It's good news. We have good news. We have, we have the ability to have relationship with God now in this broken, fallen mess. And then he helps us to get away from the stuff that's no good for us, that the enemy's thrown at us and has somehow highlighted into, this is what life looks like. It's a false life. He's only come. The enemy's only come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he's come to do. Everything that's out there that isn't from God is, is trying to steal life from you. And masquerading itself like he does as light and life. It's not. There's nothing out there that's worth it. Only Jesus. Because he's good. Always good. Only good. And He loves you. What a great deal. Best deal in the universe. I encourage you again. Start every day thinking about these things. About this amazing love that He has for you. And we'll continue to to dig deeper and we're going to continue to press on in these things in the next week. But just go today knowing that He's good. And that He's faithful. And that He wants to hang out with you. And that life is found in doing that with Him. Amen? Amen. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching on television. God bless you guys. If you need anything, call us, write us, go to our website, email us. We'll do whatever we can, and uh, we appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is, so thank you for spending it with us.